You're listening to the Sheep Spot Podcast, a show for hand spinners about making yarns we love. Well, hello there, darling sheep spotters. Welcome to episode 56 of the Sheep Spot Podcast. I'm Sasha from Sheepspot.com, where we are laser focused on helping you make yarns you love with beautiful fibers and top-notch instruction. This week, I am going to tell you about my spinning story and how I went from making fairly disastrous early yarns to becoming a versatile and confident spinner who can pretty make much make any yarn I want to make. So let's dive in. And I'm just going to say before I start that um, I really had a lot of resistance to writing and recording this episode, because most of what I'm going to say feels a little bit embarrassing to me. Also, there are some embarrassing pictures of yarn in the show notes, and I want you all to go and have a look at them. (laughs) Anyway, um, so the, the true fact about my early spinning life is that I really didn't want to learn to spin. I was very, very excited about knitting at the time and very into that. And um, I thought spinning would just be too much, a whole other set of equipment, a whole other stash. But then I saw somebody spinning. So this was the summer of 2009. And as I've said, I was completely obsessed with knitting and with yarn. Um, but I was still telling myself that I wasn't a good enough knitter. So I was doing a lot of felting at the time. And my thought was that felting would obscure the fact that my stitches weren't that even. In fact, I think blocking would have <laughs> solved that problem, but I didn't even know that much at that point. So um, I, I think my stitches were probably perfectly fine. And I think if I had blocked stuff, it would have looked perfectly good. But anyway, um, so I wanted to do some of the needing needle felting projects in Lee Radford's book, Alternates Felt, which I think was fairly new at the time. And it's just, a, I, I really love those Lee Radford books. Um, and they're really very beautiful. And the patterns were really appealing to me at the time. So, um, so I thought that I wanted to do some of the patterns that involved needle felting. Um, I will just note that I've never done any needle felting to this day. It's 10 years later. Um, and that's because when I went in search of roving for needle felting, I saw somebody spinning and I was completely captivated and I signed up for lessons with her on the spot. At first... Spinning was really, really hard. Um, I learned to spin um, insofar as I did on a Louette wheel. I'm not sure which model it was, but it was definitely an Irish tension wheel. I remember the leather strap over the over the orifice. Um, and I remember the take up, which was ferocious on that wheel. Um, and um when I look back at those early lessons, I really think it's kind of amazing that I learned to spin at all. Um, 
I wouldn't start a beginner on a Louette wheel. Um, so there's that about my early spinning lessons. And then there's also the fact that my teacher was a really beautiful spinner and weaver herself, but not such a great spinning teacher. Um, so we never really talked about how to adjust the wheel. We didn't really talk about drafting and different kinds of drafting or really even treadling. Um, and I don't think she did that much demonstrating. I think she just kind of plunked me down at this louette wheel with some fiber and kind of just left me to my own devices to figure it out. Um, and I did manage, even in that first lesson, I did manage to make some extremely um, lumpy, bumpy yarn and then ply it from a center pole ball. Another thing I would never subject <laughs> a beginner to plying from a center pole ball, really? Um, so anyway, um, all was not lost. But when I look back, I think of all the things that I wasn't told at the time that might have helped me kind of pick things up more quickly. I'm a pretty thinky learner. So it really helps me to know the whys and hows of things. And I really just got none of that. So um, those early lessons, I can remember I was after after each lesson, I was just exhausted because I was I'd been so tense the, through the whole lesson. So I was and I was not really loving it. Um, so I struggled on through lesson two and lesson three. I think it was the end of the third lesson that my teacher gave me some raw fleece, and I've told this story before. I've even told the story on this podcast, I think, but. Um, she gave me some raw fleece from some a Romney that she had had um, with instructions to wash it. And the deal was I was going to wash it and bring it back, card it, and then spin it in the next lesson. And the Romney in question, whose name was Petunia, I still remember that. Petunia had long since passed from this mortal coil, but she had left behind her filthy, stinky, fabulous fleece, and I absolutely loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved how it smelled, how it felt. Um, I washed it until it was squeaky clean, completely destroying the lock structure in the process. And it's a wonder that I didn't felt it. The But the moment I got my hands on that fleece, I was totally hooked. I still felt at that point, I remember feeling pretty ambivalent about the physical act of spinning, but I had no ambivalence at all about um, this fleece. I absolutely knew that I wanted to have um, more dirty, smelly fleece in my life. So that's a weird relation to making stuff, I think, being more enamored with the materials than with the actual activities involved in working with them. But spinning at that point was such a struggle for me, and it made me so anxious that it makes sense because, you know, I took that fleece home, I was on my own, I had plenty of time, I was relaxed. Um, so I'm really grateful to Petunia, may she rest in peace, and her fleece for giving me that the incentive that I really needed at that time to push through those first few months. So 
After the encounter with the fleece, I decided, okay, I want to start looking for a wheel. And um, my spinning teacher was actually a Louette dealer who suggested, of course, that I buy a Louette wheel. Um, and I don't really know why I hesitated, um, but I'm really glad I did. So I went off to do some research on my own, and I found a post on Abby Frankemont's blog dated from December 2008, so about six months before I encountered it. Um, and it's still actually available on the blog. I'll link to it. Um, she's updated it with some um, up-to-date pricing and stuff. But anyway, it's this blog post about choosing your first wheel. And um, that was my first encounter with Abby's work. And everything about it appealed to me. Abby has this um, way of kind of thinking about problems and uh, issues that I find really kind of engaging and fascinating. And like all of Abby's writing, this blog post was super meticulous and completely exhaustive. She went through all the things to think about. Um, and then at the end, she did make some suggestions about things to um, wheels to look at. And this post was the first time I ever learned um, about the fact that there are different drive systems. Who knew? And Abby suggested that the beginners, that beginners seek out scotch tension wheels. So I narrowed my choices to those. And, and it also, at this point, I understood a little bit more about why I had been struggling so much with the Louette, um, because the take up was just really too much for me at that point. So, um, you know, it's the, it's the summer. I'm thinking about buying a wheel. And, um, but I don't really make a move. There aren't, or at that point, there weren't any local dealers where I could go and try things, except for the Louettes that I had already tried. Um, and so I just decided I was going to kind of wait a little bit. So fast forward a few months. Um, it's October 1st. Nine, uh, 2009. I remember the exact date um, because it was three days before my 45th birthday. And that was the day I went to my first ever fiber festival, which was the Vermont Sheep and Wool Festival. I was uh, doing some traveling, seeing friends in New England, and uh, I was in Vermont at the time. I probably scheduled the trip around the Fiber Festival, but because um, that, you know, was already starting to be a thing that I did. Um, but anyway, so it's so I went to the Vermont Sheep and Wool Festival and um, it absolutely poured with rain that day. Um, but, you know, it's October. I'm in Vermont, which I love. The foliage is beautiful. And there is so much rain. There's sorry, there's so much yarn that I don't even really care about the rain. And nevertheless, I, of course, I don't have an umbrella because I never have an umbrella. And so I decided to start with the vendors in the barns, um, hoping that the rain would let up enough so that I could visit, um, some, the outdoor vendors, um, which who were all looking very, very sodden and kind of rain soaked. And I, so I thought, okay, I'll go inside first and maybe, um, the weather will improve. So, um, knowing absolutely nothing, I bought half of a Coopworth fleece 
And then I finish looking at everything in the barns and I go outside and I find a vendor who has come all the way from Long Island. Um, I think she is since out of business, but anyway, she was extremely sweet. And I noticed that in her booth, in her very wet, rain-soaked booth, there's a shacked ladybug for sale. And I know that the ladybug is on my list of possible wheels. It's actually kind of at the top of my list because I really like the way it looks. It's got that kind of art deco sort of styling to it. And I loved that. And I also was completely enamored of the fact that it had that little ladybug on it. Seriously, this is how I was evaluating wheels at the time. Um, Have I mentioned that I knew nothing? So she offers to let me try the wheel, but the ground in her booth is so wet that I can't try it there. So I end up sitting on a box in the back of her panel van and feeling a little breathless as I sat down, feeling more than a little relieved that the vendor left me to go back to her booth. So I was alone with this ladybug and I never spun on a scotch tension wheel before. I have no idea how to adjust it. Um, I try to spin a little bit and I'm not really able to, but I just decide that I'll figure it out later and get out my credit card and kind of go for it. So it turns out that the wheel I tried is not the wheel that I was actually taking home. The vendor had another ladybug unassembled in a box. And so, you know, sometimes when you're, you're buying something and it's something you don't know a lot about and it could be the right thing or it could be the wrong thing, but you're just so excited about it that you, you just sort of forge ahead. That's the space I was in. I was just like, okay. I have no idea what this thing is. I have no idea how it goes together, but I'm just going to take it home and figure it out. Um, so um, I put it in my car. I drive back to the house where I was staying with friends. And um, so, and I get there and I have this wheel. So I just want to recap. I have an unassembled wheel that I don't understand the only fiber I have is a Coopworth fleece that I don't know how to wash or prepare. I have no prep tools. Um, but I'm so excited and my excitement is communicated to my hosts and Jonathan, who is quite mechanically minded. And I managed to put the wheel together using the instruction booklet. Um, and then I, realize that I don't really have anything that I can spin. And so I have to find some fiber. So I spend the following day, I do a quick, you know, online search. I figure out the places where they sell fiber in Vermont and New Hampshire. And they're all like at least an hour away. So I spend the next day, day kind of just driving around New Hampshire and Vermont uh, in search of fiber. And I managed to score some, um, kind of pinky purpley top, um, and two cross patch creations bats. Um, if you ever see these anywhere, I really love them. Um, they're just kind of mixed 
fiber bats. They're, they're, um, pretty textured. Uh, the colorways can be really beautiful. I like them a lot. Anyway, and I also managed to find some of that kind of multicolored Ashland Bay merino that you see in um, big fiber stores and yarn stores. So I get all the fiber home and I also got a nitty naughty, which I knew I needed. And I think I might have bought another bobbin as well. And, um, and I try to spin something. So the first thing I choose is this pinky purpley top and history, otherwise known as my Ravelry projects page does not record what that fiber was, but I, th- something makes me think that it might have been Rambouillet. Um, so not a, t- not the best choice, but for a beginner, but not a terrible choice. Um, and I still have pictures of the yarn that I spun. Um, and my very first yarn on my very first wheel, I'm going to put that picture in the show notes because I just think it's really useful for newer spinners to know where I started and how much I sucked. Um, So the yarn is just wildly thick and thin. I'm looking at the picture of it now. It's over twisted in some places. It's under twisted in others. The plying is, well, to say that the plying is uneven is really to put it mildly. Anyway, so, but I spun it, I washed it, I hung it up, I was, you know, I I don't think I ever used that yarn, but, you know, it was my first real yarn on my first own wheel, and that was good, so I just went right ahead on to the next thing, and so I spun, the next thing I spun was the first bat, and I had much better luck with that. And I now know that that's because it was carded. This is why I always start beginning spinners with roving. Um, And just a lot more grippy than the top had been. Um, The fibers in this bat really wanted to hang out and party together. So it was much easier for me to manage. And it was a pretty wild bat, pretty heavily textured. So it was clear even to me, a person who knew nothing, that it couldn't possibly be spun into a smooth, even yarn. Um, So I was actually pretty happy with um, the yarn that resulted from that. And I, and I, you know, so I spun up the bat, I washed the yarn. Um, I remember that the yarn was pretty, um, had too much ply twist. I do remember that it was probably pretty hard. But I actually um, knit that yarn up into a cowl for the friend that I was staying with. And um, I think she is very fond of that cowl. So it just goes to show your yarn doesn't have to be perfect. Um, And I am putting a picture of that yarn as well. Um, and it's the, um, the cake of the yarn and a little swatch that I knit from it in the show notes. So you can see that as well. So, um, I've got my wheel and I've made two yarns and I actually even kind of liked the second one. So I am, you know, cooking with gas, right? Well, wrong. So on my way home from Vermont, I stopped at Webb's and, I, and if you don't know about Webs, Webs is this 
gigantic yarn store in Northampton, Massachusetts. Um, and they do have some spinning stuff there and some weaving stuff as well. And so while I was there, I had no fiber, right? So I had no stash at all. So I bought a bunch of what they had, which was Merino top. And it was um, quite lovely top. It was by Frabjus Fibers. I still remember the, um, the those first colorways I bought. And it was very well prepared and it had been well dyed. This was not really a problem with um, anything that they did. It was just, well, I'll just continue to tell you the story. So, um, so I bought all this Merino and I get back in my car and I go to the next place I'm staying in this kind of multi-stop trip through the wilds of New England. And I um, set up the wheel in my room and I um, try to spin some of this Merino top and I cannot spin it at all. Um, I can't seem to draft at all. Um, it's way more un- uneven, even than the Rambouillet, the first yarn that I spun. The singles keep breaking. It keeps pulling out of my hands. Um, and I just, I'm in this hotel room in the Berkshires, and I just have a little freak out. So all these feelings come flooding in. I feel clumsy and incompetent, and I feel like I'm never going to be able to learn how to do this spinning thing. I feel super guilty for having spent money on a wheel when I don't really know how to spin. And um, obviously, I don't know how to spin. The evidence is right there in front of me on the bobbin. Um, I'm also posting a picture of that yarn as well. Plus, for Zora fans, she's in the picture of that as well. Um, so I didn't know enough then to know that this was a Merino-specific problem. Um, the, the fiber was slippery, and it was combed, and it didn't want to hang out with the individual fibers did not want to hang out with their friends and have a party. Um, I just didn't understand that it was fiber specific. I also didn't understand how my wheel worked and how to adjust it to spin this fiber as opposed to the other fibers I was, I had been spinning. And when I think back on that moment, I, I see that I could have really just given up right there. Because I really wanted to give up right then. So I'll tell you what happened next in the next episode. Yep, that's right. It's a cliffhanger, folks. Be sure to come back to find out what happens next. I've been watching Chernobyl, and I feel like it is teaching me a lot about the form of the cliffhanger. And so I just wanted to try one. Forgive me, folks. Um, So come back, find out what happens next. In the meantime, I want you to go forth and make some yarn that you love. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and I will talk to you soon.